Welcome to The Feminine Frequency. I'm your host, Amy Natalie, women's empowerment coach, feminine embodiment guide, and creator of The Feminine Codes. This podcast is designed to awaken your feminine energy, elevate your frequency, and empower your mindset. We cover everything from increasing your confidence, trusting your intuition, deepening intimacy in your relationships, and magnetizing abundance into your life. Each week, you'll receive a new episode filled with feminine wisdom and inspiration to remind you of the magic that already lives inside of you. Ready to dive in? Let's do this, sister. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to this guest episode of The Feminine Frequency with my incredible guests, Azria and Benjamin. Today, we are going to be talking about becoming your most fully alive self. And this interview was inspired after I read the Becoming book by Azria and Benjamin. And it was honestly my favorite book of 2022. It is such a forward thinking, edgy, deep, inspiring, and raw personal development book. And I just love their storytelling. I love their truth telling. And I really love the deep wisdom that was offered in this incredible book. So I've shared this book with many of my friends, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you if you have not read it yet. And after this interview, I was talking to our guests and they decided that they are going to be gifting you a copy of the book through an ebook version. So if you would like to download the Becoming book after you listen to this episode, or even if you want to pause this and click on the link to save it, the link is in the show notes so that you can get access to this incredible book. And I will be introducing our guests in just a moment, but before I do, I also wanted to share about another gift that you will be getting from me today, which is inspired by the three-year birthday anniversary of this podcast, The Feminine Frequency. So this month, The Feminine Frequency turns three years old. I still cannot believe that this podcast has been happening and that we are at the three-year mark. And I am just so inspired by the community that has been cultivated and all of the incredible guests that I've had on this show. And so what we are doing as part of the three-year birthday anniversary is I am gifting $222 off of my online course, The Feminine Codes. And if you missed last week's episode where I talked more about The Feminine Codes, essentially what it is, is a framework that I've developed to support you in applying feminine energy and infusing feminine energy into your life. So these codes are really designed to support you in activating your own feminine energy, your pleasure, your aliveness, connecting more deeply to your intuition, activating your fullest expression and becoming your most magnetic self. And I'm offering this coupon for $222 off until January 20th. So to find out more about the feminine codes, you can scroll down in the show notes 
and click on the link there and make sure when you are at the checkout page to use the code FF podcast exclamation mark, all capitals in the checkout to receive that coupon. And you can find that code in the show notes as well. All right, now we are ready for our introduction. I'm going to introduce both of these incredible beings before we dive in because it is such an honor to have them both here. My experience of them in this interview and as authors and as leaders is just, yeah, super heart-centered and authentic and inspiring, and I'm really excited to introduce them to you. So, Azria is a radical truth seeker and risk taker, always willing to abandon her comfort zone in pursuit of being fully activated, awake, and in service to the intelligence of life. A free-spirited artist and performer at heart, Azria made the move from Germany to Hollywood at 21 and has since segued her decade in the entertainment industry into sharing her teachings through writing, filmmaking, and speaking. She uses her razor-sharp intuitive gifts and unflinching willingness to illuminate the shadow to coach high-impact individuals through accelerated personal transformation, guiding them to develop mastery over their internal state and spiritual connection through utilizing a broad variety of modalities, including shamanic plant medicine ceremonies. She is a co-founding steward and co-author at Becoming, a platform dedicated to providing the future stewards of society with emotional intelligence tools to elevate humanity and co-create a more beautiful world. All right. And Benjamin, also known as B, is the almost 200 pounds of muscle that unflinchingly texts everyone, including high-powered attorneys and no-nonsense executive kissy face emojis. His career as a renegade entrepreneur skyrocketed early on when the family business he poured himself into while on his first mountain of traditional success grew to an annual revenue in excess of $200 million and over 1,800 team members. He utilizes a lifetime of strategic business expertise to incubate and accelerate startup and early stage entrepreneurs and organizations. He has been an active member of YPO and Alder and devoted his focus to deep personal transformation with a wide range of modalities, including shamanic plant medicine. Radically committed to sharing his blessings to make a difference on this planet, B has devoted himself to co-founding the Becoming Nonprofit and Platform, co-authoring a book, coaching people who help other people rise, and becoming the kind of father, husband, and impact leader he never knew who he could be. And if this is not a clear example of the masculine and feminine coming together in union to contribute to the world. I don't know what is. So without further ado, we're going to dive into this conversation and I hope you love this episode as much as I did. And as you're listening, if you're feeling inspired and you're feeling lit up, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on your social media. You can tag me at Amy Natalie Co. And you can also tag Azria and Benjamin as well. I know that we would all love to hear from you. All right, my love, enjoy this episode and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Azria and Benjamin. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. 
Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. An, it's an honor. Yeah, I just told you guys as I was reading your book, I was like, everyone has to know about this. I want to talk to them in more detail about these stories and just even maybe like the process of writing this book. I'm in the process of writing my first book. So I'm super curious about that. But I'm going to do a little spoiler alert because the <laughs> opening scene to this book, I mean, it just like expanded so much for me. And I love the way that it's written and your vulnerability and authenticity in sharing your stories is just like taking it to that next level of truth. So we'll get into that story a little bit later, but I want to talk about what is the process of becoming your book is called becoming. And so if we can just give our listeners a, uh, an understanding of what is this journey and process that you're guiding us on? Mm. Well, it's becoming with a Q instead of a C. So the Q represents a couple different things and I won't go into all of them because there's various layers of meaning, but one of the most fundamental ones is really the Q represents questions and specifically essential questions. And that's really where all journeys of becoming begin is with the willingness and the desire to ask the deeper questions around why am I here? What was I put on this earth to do? What is the nature of reality? What is the nature of being a human being, especially right now on this planet today? Some of those really existential questions are crucial to kickstart the becoming process. And I would I would like to say that the questions become less as you go, but in some ways the questions become more because you start to realize there's so much that you don't know. Um, which is why I love this work so much. And I love the process of becoming and the whole journey of becoming, because it's even in the word becoming, it's implied that there's not an ending. It's not became, it's mm. ongoing, you know? Um, and and I think that's that's part, part of the magic of life is savoring every step of the process and really meeting life fully with all of its challenges and all of its opportunities. Um, and really being in the dance with life. I think becoming largely is about that. I don't know if you want to share the official definition of becoming. Sure. The de- we define it uh, as devotion to the process of becoming who you were designed to be by radically embracing your greatest challenges as curriculum and savoring the full spectrum of life and death. Um, and so it's, it's really, yeah, that full spectrum aliveness. And when we say full spectrum, it's, it's, you know, every part of yourself, the, the, the difficult, icky, ugly parts that you 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 wish weren't there. It's like the, the journey of becoming is really embracing that part of yourself and and dying into it uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about that piece, dying into it, because as a culture, we and as human beings in these physical bodies, we have this fear around death and this such a hard time with letting go, surrendering, releasing, and so this aspect of dying to allow more light to come through or to reveal more truth is something that can be really confronting and that a lot of people aren't willing to go into because of that nature of the ego, because of the fear. So I'd love to hear your perspectives. Both of you have gone into the darkness. You've courageously in your own ways, on your own path, been willing to be with that darkness and face those that fear and the the ability and the the commitment to releasing and letting go is huge. So yeah, I'd love to hear some of your insight of 
of the power of surrendering and yeah, any, any advice that you have for someone who's like, has that like grasping energy or is afraid to go into the darkness? I mean, I think we all fear it, you know, and no matter how many times you go there, it's like, there's always a new edge. There's always a new layer of like unknown. I think you can develop a muscle and like get better at dying. <laughs> and when, when we talk about dying, what we're talking about really is like our resistance to releasing control or perceived control. Um, and, and I think that the real power, real empowerment is when we realize it's not about trying to control life. It's about allowing life really to have its way with you because no matter how difficult things might be, there's always going to be a gift or a lesson contained within even the greatest challenges. And so there's really a fundamental component of trust that is a prerequisite in order to be able to surrender and let go and metaphorically die into the thing that you're afraid to feel. And a lot of it has to do with trusting your feelings or trusting that even if there's a feeling that feels impossible to survive because it's so repressed, it's been pushed away for so long. It's something that you've had such deep, deep fear of feeling on the other side of actually not fighting the feeling and letting it come up and out. There's so much space that can be created and so much relief. And if you do that enough times and you realize, wow, that thing that I thought was going to kill me, like actually did it kill me. She made it through and here, here I am, you know, I'm still breathing that builds the trust, right? Over time, you do that enough times where eventually you're like, okay, I get it. You know, it's, it's just the fear of feeling that's keeping me in this perceived state of control, which is really an illusion. Yeah. And I would just add, that was beautiful. I would just add to that. I, we, we like to say that every initiation is preceded by a death. And so when we're on the journey uh, of, you know, trying to step into the highest expression of ourselves, of evolution, I think it, it we use this regenerative death. It, death is a regenerative energy. Um, and um, I think it's essential in order to kind of let's let the part of you die an old identity and old uh, perception of yourself um, is it's needed. And so we really, in our work, really help people and ourselves really learn to embrace death in a, in a really beautiful way, in a regenerative way. Mm. Yeah. To not see it as yeah. an ending, but to see it as a beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That breakdown before the breakthrough is so huge. And I, I, I feel the same way in my own journey. It's not that the death isn't scary, but you learn to trust it more. You learn to see, oh, when I go into the darkness, I'm not going to stay there forever. And actually through this, I'm going to learn, I'm going to evolve. But when you're in it, sometimes it can feel so messy. And like you said, metaphorically dying, but it can sometimes feel like you're physically dying too, because sure. a part of you is right. A part of you, an identity of yourself is dying. It's being released and you are becoming a, I would say a newer version of yourself, but a more true version of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like um, uh, your essence the process of allowing your purest essence, your truest essence to truly come into full embodiment does require the transmutation and the transformation of aspects of you that were never actually fully true to you, but maybe were adopted as true because they were protection mechanisms or ways in which you could operate in the world that made you feel like you could function. 
And so a lot of those are very subconscious ways of being, which then end up becoming these sort of masks that are there to protect us. Originally, they they came from a, you know, a good place within our own brilliant biology to keep us safe, quote unquote, right? But then at some point they become obstacles to our ability to really let that more honest, more authentic expression of ourselves shine through. And that can be the scariest thing in the world is to like really let ourselves be seen for who we truly are, not pretending to be something that we think people will like or approve of. Mm, Yeah. That letting yourself be seen is so (laughs) vulnerable. And I think going back to this idea that like the, the concept or the, the practice, I guess, of going into the darkness and dying, it gets easier over time. That first, like awakening or that first death that we go through sometimes is, it is the most hardest because it's the most unfamiliar. And in the book, you both share about kind of those rock bottom moments that, that were huge catalysts on each of your journeys. So I I'd love for, for each of you to share so we can hear a little bit more about your story for people who haven't read your book yet. Um, like what was, I know there's many different turning points, but those awakening rock bottom shifts that happened for each of you to that really catapulted you onto this path? Yeah, for me, it was uh, landing in a pretty massive lawsuit. I um, was in a place in my life where I've had a lot of success and didn't need to work really. And I found myself, you know, telling humans and myself that I was going to live with more purpose and found myself you know, chasing more money. And I think it was the universe's uh, way of, you know, really, we, we call it a gift wrapped in thorns. It was the universe's way of slapping me around and saying, you're saying this and you're ready for it and you're not doing it. And so uh, it was really a, a blessing in disguise, but this lawsuit just threw me into fetal position and had me really look at my life and how I was living it and and question everything. And uh, through that, I, I started working on, I, I decided I was going to create a system to guide my life because I didn't feel like I could trust myself to be in integrity with myself. And so I created what 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 is now we refer to as the becoming operating system, but really we, we've evolved it and we've created a template for people to use to do this work and then also to have that um, a tangible thing to take into the world and guide them. And so it's it's a, you literally build a deck over a period of time to guide your life. And so that, that rock bottom moment, uh, led me to Azria, led me to writing this book, led me to, um, the seed of, which is now the becoming operating system. So it was such a gift, uh, a painful lesson. And, you know, I, I tend to, um, learn painful lessons. Um, I went to see a numerologist, uh, about, I was probably 42 years old. And the numerologist said that you're, you're going to be a master teacher in seven years, but over the seven years, you're going to learn some really big master lessons. And, uh, I was like, shit, that does not sound fun. Um, but it was, it was very, very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, I think that, you know, I talk about my rock bottom moment. There's, there's kind of a very dramatic moment in my early twenties where I was, an actress in LA trying to make ends meet. And I was not on any kind of personal development or spiritual path. I was really only interested in getting the material success that I was chasing so hard in my career. And, um, and I was spending too much time with the wrong people and I was drinking and partying and, you know, trying to live this almost like stereotypical, like LA party girl life. And, uh, 
it was like I was playing this huge role. It was interesting in hindsight, you know, like I was an actress playing a role, but I was also a human playing the role of being an actress that's like broken LA, <laughs> like right before her big break. How meta. Know? Yeah, exactly. It was very meta. Uh, <laughs> and and I had my my rock bottom moment during to end that chapter of my life came really quickly. It came like within six months of me moving to LA. Um, and it came when I, I I've, I've always had a rebellious spirit, I would say. And at that time it expressed itself in a fairly unhealthy way. And so I was, I was just always breaking rules and not paying attention to what, you know, society told you would, was the right thing to do. And so I was drinking and driving and I ended up crashing my car into a fire hydrant going 50 miles an hour, blackout drunk. Um, and that accident waking up in, in my car with like water, just pouring down on me, you know, I had also hit a telephone pole. This all happened in Beverly Hills. It was like a scene out of a movie. Um, blood streaming down my face, you know, cop lights in the in the rearview mirror. Like that moment is was definitely a turning point because it was like a realization that no, I'm actually not playing a role. This isn't a movie. Like this is my life. And I just risked it, you know, in a big way. And it sobered me up both literally and metaphorically. And I remember very distinctly feeling this deeper knowing inside of me that I was here on this planet to do something meaningful and that this wasn't the path. And so that, that was the beginning of what ended up being a many year long journey. Um, so I can't say that that moment was the thing that was like my original awakening, but it was, a, it was a step on the path. And then in some ways, my, my journey with transformation and with spirituality has been a lot more subtle um, it's been a lot more gradual. It's been, you know, the right person handing me the right book at the right moments. Um, it's been Burning Man, going to Burning Man and like having a profound psychedelic journey on the playa and seeing sacred geometry in the sky. You know, uh, those were the kinds of experiences that continue that kind of ac accumulated and then continually like broadened my lens on what I thought was possible and who I knew myself to be. And then really rearranged my priorities. And then the, the real like big, big turning point came when I sat with ayahuasca in 2015 for the first time. And that was just like a, if everything else up until that had been like a prologue and giving me a little taste here and there of what was possible, that was just like, that just ripped, ripped the veil apart that was separating me in this human experience from like all the timelines and all the possibilities and all of the divine intelligence that you know, became evident, was a, a, available to me in every moment. And so, yeah, that was a, a real, real turning point for me in my life. And then even though that was exquisite and ecstatic and super expansive, like integrating that and turning that into a new, truly new and, and embodied version of myself took many, many years and was not easy and forced me to face off with a lot of really, really challenging chapters. Mm, yeah, your your moment of the the car accident and that I mean that is a movie scene in your real life. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I really like how you talk about it. it. Feels like very much an unfolding and this like all of these moments and all of these lessons all kind of culminating and adding up. And then like you said, having this more yeah, deeper experience with ayahuasca. And, and I'm curious to learn more about this. I've heard so many friends and colleagues talk about their journey with plant medicine. We haven't talked about it much on the podcast. And 
I would say that for years I've been really in resistance and really scared. And only more recently have I felt that softening and way more openness um, for myself. Um, and so, yeah, I'd love to hear, I know both of you have <clears throat> had experiences with plant medicine and I've heard the spirit of ayahuasca is such a teacher. And so maybe if we can just keep it in that space of like the essence of her as a teacher, I would love to hear what are some of the, the core lessons or the ways that she shows up as a teacher for you. One thing I'll say before, before you go, babe, is, um, you know, your, your podcast is feminine frequency, right? It's about the the currents of the feminine of, of that, of that source of life and the, the code of life. And to me, ayahuasca is maybe the most like visceral experience and connection and dialogue with that feminine currents, with that feminine frequency that I've found outside of just my relationship with nature in general, or my relationship with my own, mm. with my own body, my own heart, my own feelings, the, re the relationship with ayahuasca as a teacher that is in almost all traditions and all cultures called something feminine, right? The, the mother, madre, grandmother, um, madrecita, like there's all of these different sort of names to describe this essence. Um, and so I do think that if you're feeling the call of that spirit, it makes sense because it's in alignment with what it is that you're also bringing through in your own way. Um, in some ways, I feel like she, that medicine can become a megaphone for that current to speak through us, you know, because mm -hmm. it is a plant technology, really a very highly sophisticated plant technology, but it does also require human voices and minds and hearts to communicate the message that is given. And what that message is, I think at the core for me is just a huge, massive reminder that we are love. You are already love. And the part of you that's forgotten is on this epic scavenger hunt journey of like getting all the clues so that you can continually remember that you are already love. And that process is exhilarating and exciting and terrifying and beautiful and all the things. Um, if I had to like really oversimplify it, that's how I would describe it. Yeah, we, we'd like to say that the medicine often, we refer to it as the medicine. Um, let, let's say you're calling in, your, your, your intention for going into ceremony is to connect to your future romantic partner or connect deeper with your existing romantic partner, or you're calling in prosperity and abundance, right? Whatever it is. A lot of times the medicine will take you in, in two directions. One, uh, she might take you and give you a real life lived experience of what it feels like to be in that heart open, blasted, open, expansive love or abundance. I've had moments where I felt like every cell in my body was about to explode because I felt so much love that I'd never felt before. And when she takes you in that direction, it's our belief that um, what she's doing is giving you that reference point so that you have something to, to relate to and something to strive for. So when you go back to your reality, there's a gap between your reality and that what you just experienced, but you now have that lived experience, which makes it much easier to find your path. Mm. And then sometimes she takes you in the opposite direction. You're calling in prosperity and abundance and love. And, and all of a sudden you're, you're on a planet with you know, no humans and no trees and no nature. And you're like on Mars or something, right? Like just, a you know, complete destitution. 
And it's our belief that when she does that, what she's doing, and this is really powerful, is those that that feeling of complete destitution or aloneness is is in you. And at some level, your your conscious mind is not allowing you to feel those feelings to let them come to the surface. And so what she's doing is she's she's giving you those feelings, the opposite feelings that you want to feel because they're there, they're blocking you. And so in order to release that, you have to actually feel it. Um, and so she, she forces you and it's a really powerful, especially for somebody as stubborn as me. Um, she forces <laughs> you to feel the things that you spent your entire life trying to avoid feeling so that you can actually move through them and move on. So a lot of people come out of a ceremony and go, Oh my God, that was a bad trip or that was an awful experience, but they don't have context that that awful experience was just, they were actually processing it and they needed to feel it. And in this work, a lot of times, um, it, it can be very difficult for that reason, because you're going to feel things that you don't want to feel. But on the other side of that is liberation and freedom. Mm, yeah, sounds really confronting to be in that space of all of your like deepest fears or the things that you really don't want to happen to be amplified in that way. And yeah, what I'm hearing from both of you is that there is a deep integration process that gets to happen and that maybe the ceremony is opening up new possibilities and new perspectives and helping to clear things. And then there's this part of, okay, let's bring this into my life and, and utilize what I'm learning from this teacher. Yeah. 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 The ceremony is just the beginning yeah. and, uh, it's not uncommon for people to come out of a, an experience, even if it was very, very positive and expansive and feel really, really confused on the other side, because now there has been this total disassembly of what you thought you were, what you thought reality was, and it's all been deconstructed. The sh snow globe has been shaken up and then you're back at your desk, you know, Monday morning and you're like, wait, how am I supposed to continue living my life knowing what I know, seeing what I saw, you know, having felt what I felt? What does that mean, right? In terms of how I continue to operate in, in my in my life. There's the saying, ignorance is bliss. I don't agree with that, but there is truth to the reality that when once you've seen certain things or felt certain things, you can't go backwards. You can't unsee them. They do fundamentally shape your lens on life. And some people will choose to ignore what they saw and because they're, they don't want to risk making huge changes in their life. And I've seen that happen even with close friends of mine who really kind of ultimately denied their experience because it would have been too challenging to actually integrate it and actually take, take the action that could have emerged from that journey. And then others who are really radical and, you know, maybe a little crazy like Benjamin and myself, <laughs> we go all in and we're like, okay, what do we have to do to close the gap? You know, we've been shown this thing and we now we, we're going to do whatever we can to process it. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at it. We're going to find the tools and the modalities and all the things that are needed to make this a part of how we show up in our day-to-day -day life. Um, and that journey of discovering what integration even really is and means and what tools work and what modalities work and what helps and what doesn't help and what's needed for someone to really feel safe and held in that process. Those years of uncovering that for ourselves has now led us to the work we do and the programs we offer, which is essentially exactly that. It's taking people into a cocoon, a container 
where they can have the full sort of preparation, activation and integration experience. So developing like a methodology around this work and it doesn't always have to include plant medicine, um, but any kind of call it expanded state of awareness, right? Whether it's a plant medicine journey or it's a really powerful breathwork session um, or just any other modality that takes you out of your normal default waking state of consciousness and act, gives you access to your subconscious and therefore the feelings that are buried there, whatever type of experience that is, it does require delicacy and, and clarity on the other side so that it can be useful. And um, I think that's an art form that we are collectively really starting to understand the importance of more and more, but also still really figuring out like exactly what that looks like and what's needed for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so appreciate leaders like yourselves who, you know, go into it and you're you're figuring it out on your own and doing the deep work and then coming up with these frameworks and creating spaces so that people don't have to figure it out on their own or it doesn't have to take them as long or they don't have to do it on their own. Like having these spaces for community and support, I think is necessary on any anyone who's on a personal growth and spiritual trajectory because this reality and this path is so different to what we came into, right? Like our souls chose to come here in this hugely transformational time. I mean, we're here. And even if you look one generation behind us, like the stuff that we know about in our consciousness and, and what we're the evolution that we're going through individually and as a collective right now, like it's a really big time. And I, I truly believe that we're not meant to do it alone and that we're meant to do it in community with support. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. There's literally no other way to do it, you know, because it's through the reflection of others, through seeing other people going through similar challenges that we are reminded that we're not alone and it can alleviate so much of the pain and the suffering that we experience in our life when we realize like, okay, it's not just me. I'm not the only one, you know, this is one of the biggest things I see in our, in our allies program. People are so relieved. It's like medicine for their soul to see that they're not the only one and for them to feel safe, to be able to express that they're going through really difficult things. And sometimes they're even questioning whether they want to live at all. And for that to be okay to share, you know, without people like losing it around them, but to be able to stand with someone in that and be like, I hear you. I feel you. I get it. That is at the end of the day, the medicine that people need more than anything. I think that's people need that even more than any kind of plant medicine. It's just like other humans that get it. And that's a big reason why we chose to write our book as vulnerably as we did and to really share parts of the journey that were really uncomfortable to share. And that had consequences to share. You know, we shared parts of our journey that we knew were going to be very confronting to people in our lives. Um, we knew we were going to trigger people. We knew that there was going to be people who were going to be offended. Like all of these things were things we reckoned with because we were like, at the end of the day, what we feel the planet needs more than anything is honest, authentic reflections that we can say, okay, maybe it's not pretty, you know, maybe it's messy, maybe it's uncomfortable, but like, it's real. And I can mm -hmm. trust that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much truth. And I think that's what this path is, is peeling back the layers of what isn't true and revealing what, what is authentic. And I think that's why 
your book is one of my favorite books of mm-hmm. all the personal mm-hmm. development books I've read because there is so much truth and authenticity and vulnerability and courage to speak your real experience. And it's so easy, even in the spiritual world to have this, you know, the masks and playing the spiritual part that we often see in many spiritual communities. And so, yeah, there's like this, this rawness that, that is so yeah, magnetic and so real and so beautiful. And I'll share when I was reading your book, there was this one part I was going through this process. I was dating someone that felt like it was like the thing that was closest to the thing. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I really don't want to let this go, but I know it's not the thing. Like I know, I, I know the imprint. I know the feeling. I know exactly what I'm calling in. And this is the closest that it's been, but it's not it. And you guys talk about like, the, the highest timeline and being willing to let go of what is not the fuck. Yes. Like the mm-hmm. full fuck. Yes. And so, yeah, what a process that is to be willing to be like in any era, area of your life to be like, I'm not going to settle because I know what's possible. I believe that it's possible, but it's not here yet. And so, yeah, I wanted to to bring this, this understanding of like the, this higher timeline and we all have willpower. We all have choice, right? Um, you guys also talk about the choiceless choice, which is something that I resonate with so much, which is like, yeah, we, there are these moments in our life where we, we make these decisions even though we, yeah, I'd love for you to go deeper into the choiceless choice as well. Cause I think you can, can articulate it better, but yeah, I just wanted to share how impactful that was for me. And it was such, just such a, like a, a reminder and like a check-in for me, like, all right, like this book came into my world at this time right now. Like I could keep doing this thing, but I know it's not right. <laughs> Yeah, we have a saying that we love, which is um, the hardest no to identify is the one closest to a yes. And that that is um, that takes maturity and experience, uh, just life experience to really have the discernment to know that. And we use this term, the full fuck yes, to, to identify, you know, that full body. Yes. Like when your whole body is saying yes and to and to notice the little things and to, to train ourselves to notice the little things that are out of alignment so that we can identify those, those very difficult to identify no's. Um, and so, um, congratulations on, you know, making your, your decision and listening to your, your deeper knowing. Um, Mm. yeah, but that's kind of how we look at it. Um, and then I think related to the choiceless choice, that, that, that those are those, those decisions that don't feel like decisions, um, because you, you have that full body, you know, full fuck yes energy. Um, and so a lot of what we do at this point, we feel so, uh, and also I think when you're operating within the, within that choiceless choice kind of sweet spot, uh, I think in order for that to be the case, I think you also have to be in alignment with your purpose. And so how are you serving? How are, how are you um, supporting the people you love, the planet, like all of those things. And so when you're in that alignment, you just get in the sweet spot where all of a sudden you're moving through life. Uh, and it gets kind of surreal because you, you're like, I don't even know when I said yes to this, but it's happening, right? It's just, it's almost like there's just a flow that's happening that you can't even describe. We use this term a lot in our day-to-day conversations of like, it feels like it just wants to happen, right? Mm. 
or right. it doesn't, it's almost or, like your soul has already decided. It's yeah. like you, it's not really a choice because it's been decided for you and your, your soul is guiding you in that direction. So it's like, I can well, choose it, to stay here. It's almost more painful to stay, to not listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Right. Sure. It, it's kind of a paradox because it does feel like <laughs> Your soul decided it, but it also requires your free will and your decision. It's both. It's both. And it's this weird paradox. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, when you start thinking about life in this way, you start, it, you create awareness. Like when you start using these kind of words in this language, it creates an awareness. And when you're out of alignment, it just becomes obvious. And so you just, you create tools and language that helps you identify when, you know, those, those hard to identify no's are, are, you know, in, when you, when that comes up and it takes time and maturity and discernment to really tune in. And a lot of times you, you can feel it in your body, paying attention somatically to what's going on in your body. Um, you're, we have these amazing, you know, technologies that are our human bodies that have so much knowledge that we can't even tap into with our intellectual. So learning to tap into those in other ways is really also essential. Yeah. And listening, listening to the way in which life is also constantly having a conversation with you, you know, like life is always giving you the clues that you need in order to make the decision. That's the more, the most aligned with your full fuck. Yes. You can ignore that again and again and again. And I do think you have the privilege of choosing not to choose the choiceless choice. You know what I mean? Like you have the privilege Mm -hmm. of being like, I'm going to actually choose to resist what a, a deeper part of me knows is the path forward because there's obviously more there for me to learn. But even that I would argue is still perfect because if you're not choosing the thing that on some level, you know, is going to be the right step for you in the right direction, then you weren't meant to yet. You actually weren't ready yet. You needed to go down a few different side streets first and gather some really important little wisdom nuggets before you could come full circle and then make that choice. And sometimes that could take a couple of lifetimes, depending on your perspective on, you know, how many (laughs) rounds we get at this thing. Um, But I think that that's to me, that's how I can reconcile this idea of destiny or fate and free will and how they actually dance together. They're not they, they don't contradict themselves. They actually can coexist. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting thing to ponder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. All of these topics. I'm like, oh, I could ponder on this all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want to go back to what you said, Benjamin, about this like embodied piece of like this visceral knowing this visceral feeling. And for me, the deeper I've gone on my embodiment journey, and it's almost like I can't not listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's like this, this feeling and the sensation and, and with my story and backstory is, you know, at the age of 27 being married in the wrong marriage, in the wrong lifestyle, like not wrong, but just wasn't aligned with my truth. And like three years of that internal battle of back and forth. Like, am I staying? Like, what am I doing? Is this right? Am I crazy? Like all these things. And so that three, those three years were such a deep, almost like, mm, like laboratory of like, what's my truth and what's my ego and what's my intuition and what's my mind. And like, like being able to, to now 
any time that something feels even a little bit like not my truth, it's like my body just, it, it's really loud. And sometimes I'm like, shit, I wish it wasn't that obvious. Mm-hmm. Like I wish sometimes I'm like, can I just stand this for a little bit longer? Can I just wait a little bit longer? And my body's like, no. And for me, it speaks to me through my emotions. It speaks to me through anxiety or depression. It's like this knowing that something's off and 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 my anxiety or depression or these these physical sensations are like hey we're trying to get your attention like we need you to listen yeah yeah i think there's also the element of 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 cleaning your vessel right let's use nutrition as an example i spent most of my life eating pretty crappy food and then i really cleaned up my diet and when i cleaned up my diet and then if i went back to eat the crappy food my body would be like no but when i was eating crappy food for years my body was real I, that was my normal and so a lot of times, you know, the example that you just gave emotionally, physically, when you're with food or emotionally with feelings, um, there, there does need to be kind of a cleansing process that you need to go through so that you can actually feel the difference. Because if you're in this toxicity emotionally or physically with, with food, um, it's hard to discern any variations from that because it's just your normal. And so they're, they're I think... A lot of times when you're confused and you can't tell, I think it's a, it's a sign that maybe, maybe it's a time to clear your system so that you can actually uh, have a contrast. I love that analogy. And I think even sometimes what that does take sometimes is taking yourself out of your environment because it's almost like, I don't know what the analogy is, Benjamin, you might know this one, but it's like, like the fish being in the water until the fish is out of the water. Like there's just this, like, we can't, when we're in that environment and that's what we're used to, that's all we really know. And then you remove yourself for that environment or shift the environment. And you're like, Oh wait, it's not supposed to feel that way all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that comes yeah. back to this idea of like a reference point, even if it's just a glimpse of like what, what the other alternative is to what is present that can be the guiding light that can sort of navigate you into a different experience. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. Well, there's one final piece that I want to dive into in this conversation. And I think this is a great time to come back to our grand opening story of this book, which is like a erotic romance that we can't skip over, but your relationship and even the nature in how it began, you know, I think that it it's it's super expansive and i know that it's something that many people are are seeking is divine union and this this authentic soul connection with their partners and so um first i want to say thank you for for being examples and models of what's possible and not saying that there needs to be any pedestal or everything's perfect right we're all human but yeah just just really appreciate having expanders and, and the way that you guys show up in the world for your own purpose, but also as an example of divine union and partnership. So yeah, I'd love, love to hear from each of your perspectives that, that all in moment and that, that devotion, that shift into like the union that you have now. Um, yeah, I would love to hear some insight on on what that was like for you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm not sure the question, but I can I can I think one of the for me what was I guess I'm just trying to find what what could be most valuable to the audience. 
But for me, I spent most of my life chasing external validation, chasing women, chasing money. And there was this internal knowing that the woman uh, I wanted wasn't going to show up until I became still in, in the same way. Like I talk about the nutrition example we just came off of, like I needed to like clear things out of the way so I could actually discern. Um, and um, so that's one piece. Another piece is I think those relationships, a lot of times um, we we have, we live with so much regret in society and I certainly have, but those relationships um, before meeting Azria were critical for my growth. And so without, without challenge, without um, uh, difficult circumstances, um, you can't grow. And so uh, challenges are like traction. And so a lot of times I think we look at these relationships as like this awful thing I was in. Even if you're in a relationship that's difficult and you know maybe it's not the right relationship, but you're not ready to end it. Sometimes you're not ready to end it because you haven't learned everything you need to learn. And so I think what prepared me for this relationship was my previous relationships and learning and growing how I didn't want to show up and what I needed to do to be able to show up in this relationship in a different way. Um, you know, and then as you read in the book, our, our connection as soon as we met was just like mind blowing, you know, ecstasy, erotic, all the things. Um, there was the choiceless choice. I mean, within two weeks of meeting each other, we were planning our entire lives together. We, we knew we were going to buy land, host retreats and do, you know, write a book and launch this business. And it was all very, very obvious. Um, but I, I, you know, I had a lifetime of preparation and I couldn't have met her a day sooner because I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been ready. And so I think also just giving yourself time, if you're in a situation where you're, you're frustrated, you you know, your person hasn't shown up because you're not ready for that person to show up. And so I think um, doing the work internally so that you can, you can be ready, I think is, 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 is a beautiful way to look at it um, because a lot of people are longing to be somewhere other than where they're at. Mm -hmm. And I think I would just invite the audience to be really like grateful for the place they're at because it's preparing them. On the other side of that, I certainly wasn't ready to uh, be tied up and blindfolded while peeking on LSD and then uh, <laughs> ravaged with hot candle wax and all sorts of other uh, very, what's you're, the word I want to look for? You're welcome. <laughs> uh, ex expansive, like expansive modalities. Um Yes, of pain and pleasure and everything in between. No, that's how the book starts. It starts with a journey that we took together in in Mexico. And like he said, we were like two weeks into the relationship and I had, I was not looking for this, or at least I didn't think I was looking for this. I wasn't consciously looking for this. I had really separated what I was looking for. I was looking for like a business partner or an investor or someone who could really balance out my very intuitive, creative, emotional, visionary way of being in the world and help me make shit happen. And then on the other side, I was looking for like a really passionate lovership, like a relationship with a man that could really take me, you know, could, could, mm. could disarm me. Cause I've, I'm, I'm quite an alpha female and I tend to be someone who holds a lot of other people and holds a lot of space and gives a lot of direction. And so it was, I had never experienced being with a man who could force me to surrender to him. And there was something like, there was a huge turn on for me in that, but also like a lot of fear around what that would mean. And so I thought those were two separate experiences. <laughs> I really was convinced. <laughs> 
those were going to be two very separate experiences. And it turned out they were all one experience. Um, and, and more. <laughs> and more. And that was really scary also because it was like being thrust into such a passionate sexual connection with someone, which I'd never felt at that level before, which passion is fire, right? The element of fire, which has an innate danger woven into it. Like if fire gets too hot, you burn yourself. And so part of what the turn on was for me was the danger that I felt in the dynamic and also the danger of like, what if this all crashes and burns, right? What if this all like takes a real turn? <laughs> Cause it could also, <laughs> that could also happen. Um, and so to marry that literally and metaphorically to everything I wanted to create in the world, my vision for my purpose to manifest in tandem with this, you know, initially somewhat volatile, like relationship volatile in the sense of like, we were strangers. We didn't really know each other. We had all this chemistry. We had all this passion, but I've never been in a relationship where that lasted beyond the first few months, you know? So it was also very confronting and there was a lot of fear that came up for me. And, and so there was, I was fighting it a bit in the beginning and trying to slow things down and really trying to like keep my footing. And at the same time, wanting to be like fully swept off my feet, you know, it was like a lot of internal conflict. Um, and so that journey that we had on the beach in Tulum with the support of LSD, which has a time and place uh, on the on the list of psychedelic medicines, <laughs> certainly had a good time and place in that moment, that those ingredients were like all of those things combined were just this perfect storm that allowed for this real like, oh, shit, this is it. And we're all in kind of feeling. Mm. And again, just to reiterate when we talk about expanded states or working with plant medicine or working with psychedelics, they give you reference points. So that was a reference point that was very real and very somatic and very lived in the body. And then came life after, you know, after the LSD wore off and after we got on the plane and went home and all of the things that unearthed and came to the surface after that of really building a life together presented tremendously more challenging aspects of our curriculum, you know, but we had that reference point. So even when mm -hmm. shit got really wonky and we questioned everything and we didn't know if we were going to make it, we had that reference point to go back to. And that's, that's part of the gifts that we can receive from these types of experiences. Mm. Yeah. That reference point is so powerful. And I, I remember in your book, after you tell this like amazing erotic story, you guys like, and then we sailed off into the sunset and everything was perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so I, I really appreciated that line. I was like, yep. Keep it, keeping it real. Yeah. And, and what better place? I mean, talk about fire element, like Tulum, Mexico. I lived there for two, two months last year and have been several times. And that place is just like, I mean, the energetics is like fire and water. It's like this steam and it it's, it's quite the, the vortex there to have that experience. So yeah, yeah I really enjoyed you sharing that story and your perspectives and feel like there's been so much deep wisdom and insight. And I know we've only been talking for an hour, but I would love to invite everyone who is listening to this to go and find this book, Becoming with a Q. Where can they find it? I mean, you find it on the hardcover, which is a special, you know, epic print um, with rose gold foil and all the things uh, is on our website. It's the sexy version. It's, it's the sexy version. It's the one you want. And then it's also on Amazon. <laughs> it's on Audible. It's on all the platforms. 
Okay. Amazing. We'll go ahead and link that in the show notes. And yeah, is there anything else that you feel inspired to share about your work as an invitation for our listeners to go deeper with you? Yeah, we have tools that we, that we've prepared that you can just put your email in and download directly. They also correspond to chapters in the book. So each of the chapters ends with reflection questions and there's exercises that you can apply to your own life right away. So the idea is for you not to just be entertained, but for you to actually kickstart your own becoming journey or take it deeper. Um, so again, if you go to becoming with a Q.me and you find uh, where you can sign up to receive those, you'll get those directly to your inbox. And then um, we also have a variety of programs that we offer. They generally go from three to six months in length. And, um, some of them are online only. Some of them are in person, but yeah, it's, there's a whole ecosystem that's essentially, you know, birthing through us and we're trying to get out of the way as best as possible and be good stewards of the massive blueprint that we've received in terms of creating like a real, um, both online and offline ecosystem for purpose-driven pioneers, for people all over the world who are feeling the call to do this work, to connect and to activate and unite and make the world a more beautiful place. Mm, Amazing. What an epic body of work that is coming through. And thank you both for being here. Thank you for showing up in the world Mm -hmm. in the ways that you do. And yeah, really appreciating your book and your Mm -hmm. time and your energy. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. It was lovely to connect with you. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you found value from this conversation, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. You can tag me at Amy Natalie Co. I always love hearing from you. Send me a message. Let me know your takeaways. Also, I have a beautiful free gift for you. If you have not already downloaded the Empowered Feminine Morning Ritual, it is a 20-minute audio guide for you to listen to in the morning to start your day feeling empowered and embodied. You can find the link for that recording in the show notes. And lastly, if you are a regular listener here and you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to leave a rating and a review. This is the best way to support this podcast in reaching more women around the world. To leave a rating and a review, you can scroll down on the podcast app on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and leave a quick review to share what you love most about this podcast and how it has impacted your life. Thanks again for being here and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of The Feminine Frequency.